Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'm flying solo today. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. You can also follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram at DCaduto. She can be found in LinkedIn as well at Orism, and on Instagram at E-L-O-R-A-Z-E-M. Just a couple of quick announcements. Our Patreon channel recently just went live. You can find it by typing in Real Talks in the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering five different levels that you can support us at. $5, $10, $20, $30, and $40. If you do choose to support us, you'll be getting the opportunity to earn some great perks, such as earning your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with Ithlora and myself. For more details, just go to the website. I'll leave the link in the description. Which leads me to my next exciting announcement. Beginning in May, the channel will be starting Flashback Fridays, which means we'll be talking about movies from the past. The first film we'll be discussing will be Iron Man, and then we'll be doing every single MCU movie in chronological order. I can't reiterate enough. Hit that follow button so you know when a new podcast is released. Now with all that out of the way, we can get started. So before we dive into today's main topic of talking about the upcoming movie Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, there are a few noteworthy stories to mention, including the Batman getting a release date on HBO Max, Warner Media's mega merger is finally complete, and the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard saga continues. So we start off with some breaking news today that's uh, definitely tragic for the entertainment world. And that is the loss of Gilbert Godfrey. He passed away today at the age of 67 after a long illness. And a lot of uh, comedians are reacting to his passing. So this comes from IndieWire. Hollywood is sharing tributes to, late, to the late comedian Gilbert Godfrey upon news of his passing. On April 12th, the Godfrey family today wrote, we are heartbroken to announce the passing of our beloved Gilbert Godfrey after a long illness. The family shared on Twitter, in addition to being one of the most iconic voices in comedy, Gilbert was a wonderful husband, brother, friend, and father to his two young children. Although today is a sad day for us, please keep laughing as long as possible in Gilbert's honor. Godfrey was 67. The actor began his career at age 15 in the New York City stand-up circuit before making his television debut in 1980. Godfrey went on to star on Saturday Night Live and famously voiced Elgo in Aladdin, contributing his iconic voice to many beloved animated series. Godfrey most recently had a long-running voice stint on the PBS kids series Cyber Chase. Seinfeld alum Jason Alexander wrote, Gilbert Goffrey made me laugh at times when it didn't come easily. What a gift. I don't know. I didn't know him, but I loved what he shared with me. 
My best wishes and sympathy goes to his family. Conan O'Brien tweeted, I saw Gilbert perform in 1985 when he entered to applause. He said, thank you. Thank you very much. He then continued to say thank you repeatedly for a full 10 minutes. It was the most nervous, funniest thing I had ever seen. So sorry to lose this sweet, delightful, funny man. Actress Jennifer Tilly tweeted, Rip Gilbert Godfrey, a brilliant comedian and just the sweetest guy. We worked together on Goost. Everyone adored him. John Stewart wrote, Rip Gilbert. Opening for Gilbert Godfrey, Caroline's and Princeton Catch was one of the greatest thrills of my life, in my stand-up comedy life. He could leave you gasping for breath, just indescribably, unusually hilarious. Damn. And that goes on and on and on. Richard Lewis, Kathy Griffin, all of these fantastic legends paying tribute to Gilbert Godfrey. And he was a comedian's comedian. He would, I unfortunately never saw him live, but he definitely, whenever I did see him, he always made me laugh. I always go back to the one scene in Beverly Hills Cop 2 when he's playing the attorney and Axel Foley bribes him with the $100 bill. It's it's definitely a tragic, tragic loss that... Um, is going to be felt around the world of comedy for a long time. And unfortunately, this is another passing of a legend. And we've had so many over the past three or four months. And so my thoughts and condolences goes, goes out to his family. Moving on, we have couple of other stories to discuss as I talked about the Batman. The Batman gets a premiere date confirmed on HBO Max. This comes from Deadline. The Batman is now has a solid premiere date on HBO Max. The Warner Brothers blockbuster will launch on the streaming service Monday, April 18th, so less than a week away, and also will air on HBO at 8 p.m. Saturday, April 23rd. It was expected that Matt Reeves' helmed pick starring Robert Patterson in the dual role of Gotham City's vigilante detective and his alter ego reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne would land on HBO Max in late April. A text glitch at the HBO website last month briefly posted the date of April 19th for the HBO Max launch and it was taken down. All Warner Brothers theatrical releases are slated to hit the streaming service 45 days after their debut in cinemas. The pick has grossed $735 million worldwide and $359 million domestic. HBO Max has also given a straight-to-series order for the picture's spin-off series, The Penguin, which will see Colin Farrell reprise his villainous role from the film as one of Gotham City's legendary kingpins. Reeves wrote and directed the Batman and produced it with Dylan Clark. Per the logline, when a killer targets Gotham's, Gotham City's elite with a series of sadic, masochistic, a trail of cryptic clues sends the world's greatest detective on an investigation to the underworld, where he encounters such characters as Selina Kyle, the Penguin, Carmen Fal- Falcone, and the Riddler. 
as the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plan become clear, the Batman must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of the power and corruption that has long plagued Gotham City. So, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, I, I did see the Batman twice in theaters. It was a remarkable film I met by Matt Reeves, and I I really believe that next year you're going to be seeing this film get, I would say, a maximum of five Academy Award nominations. I think that Paul Dano definitely deserves a, a nomination for his portrayal as the Riddler. I thought the, I think it should get a Best Director nomination. I think it should get a Cinematography nomination. I think it should get a Best Picture nomination. And I think the score should get nominated because the score was amazing. I have a problem with what HBO is doing with this because here's the thing. This movie was still making money. And it only now it made three hundred and fifty nine thousand dollars this last week, so but the point is it's still making money. And you take a look at there are very few movies out there or have been very few movies in the last year or eighteen months that have been able to have staying power. And what this does is it hurts any business that Warner Brothers is going to have with this because people are still going to see this movie and you take a look at what's out there right now and there's not much I mean Sonic just made 70 million dollars and that's fabulous I, I can't wait to see that soon but beyond that what do you really have our charted has been out for about a month there's not a lot um this has made $735 million worldwide. And you're going to pull it from theaters? I don't understand this. So, and I understand if they're trying to get memberships and everything else. But how, how, many, more, how many more memberships do you think you're going to get with this movie if you pull it out of theaters? If, if, you, have, if you don't have HBO Max right now, are you going to join just because of the Batman? And if you have HBO Max, are you going to sit down and watch it the first night? I don't think so. So why not continue to make money in the theaters? This doesn't make sense to me. I've always said that I think a 60-day theatrical window is perfect. And, you know, we have other movies coming out this year and... Is Warner Brothers going to... Now that we have new leadership at Warner Brothers, which we'll get to in a few minutes, are they going to stretch it out a little bit more? If they see that it's making money after 45 days, are they going to pull it from theaters? Or are they going to keep it in theaters? I tend to think the latter. So, I, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to see this uh, again. I thought this was a fantastic movie. I think Matt Reeves needs to get a Best Director nomination for next year's Oscars. Um, and I think it deserves a Best Picture nomination. Now, will it win? Probably not. <laughs> Definitely not. But there has been precedent. I mean, all you got to do is take a look at a Black Panther 2018. And that 
That was huge for Marvel. And I think this could do the same thing for Warner Brothers. And with a new spinoff with the Penguin, this is only going to bolster any other spinoff shows that this movie comes up with. So I, I think that it will be interesting to see what happens going forward. I, I don't agree with the move of pulling it, but I, I understand it. So it's business. But they have to ask themselves, are they really going to get a lot of money or memberships just from this? And I would, and I would venture to say no. So speaking of Warner Brothers... Um, two things about Warner Brothers. Number one is the huge merger, the mega merger. Discovery has now taken them over. So there is like 25 or 30 channels, including HBO Max, HBO, and several others. So let's hope that leadership now gets, uh, gets their act together and, and really starts to um, make something happen. But, so here's, we're going to be getting into this. Um, This is about our our main topic, Fantastic Beasts. And this is an interesting thing that goes under the radar. Warner Brothers removes Fantastic Beasts' secret of Dumbledore's dialogue about gay relationship for China. And this comes from the Hollywood Reporter. Warner Brothers has confirmed it's removed some dialogue from Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, to appease the Chinese government. The studio has taken out clear references to Albert Dumbledore's, or Jude Law, and Grindelwald's, Mad Mickelson's romantic past. The lines, I was in love with you, and the summer gullet I fell in love, officially made it canon for the first time in the Harry Potter franchise, that the beloved Hogwarts professor is gay and had a romantic relationship with the Dark Wizard. The cuts amount to six seconds of the 143-minute runtime, but are rather pivotal to the establishing the characters. As a studio, we're committed to safeguarding the integrity of every film we release, and that extends to circumstances that necessitate making nuanced cuts in order to respond sensitively to a variety of in-market factors, a Warren Brothers spokesperson said in a statement to THR. Our hope is to release our our feature worldwide as released by their creators, but historically we have faced small edits in in local markets. In the case of this film, a six second cut was requested and Warner Brothers accepted those changes to comply with their local agreements, but the spirit of the film remains intact. We want audiences everywhere to, in the world to see and enjoy the film, and it's po- important to us that the Chinese audiences have the opportunity to experience it as well, even with the minor edits. Uh, Secret of Dumbledore has already opened in China, where it topped the box office during the week. The film's tally was smaller than otherwise it would have been otherwise at just 9.7 million. Since the country cinemas had been closed due to the current COVID-19 breakout, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, you have a major studio like Warner Brothers that is t- 
taking out a small but pivotal portion of a character. And you have to wonder if they take out this, what says they don't take out something else later on? The other thing being is at the end of the day, and there's no getting around this, it's censorship. It, it, it plain, it's plain as day, call it what you want, it's censorship. And I think that Warner Brothers made a concerted effort after seeing what had happened with Shang-Chi, okay, with Marvel, and how they wouldn't play that movie in China, which, by the way, is the number one largest market in the world. And they said, you know what, we want the money. So they made the cut, which is was six seconds, and they made about $10 million from it. So here's what I would say. Number one, at what point do you stop and just say no? I mean, Marvel, and look, Marvel is Marvel, and I get it. Shang-Chi nearly made almost $500 million, okay? And it just, it, it did very well. That being said, this is a smaller film. What stops any other studio from doing the same thing? And if they do, is it because they want the money? Or is it a business decision? I really think that we are bending to China's knee here. I, I think that we're actually... I, I get it's a business decision, but we have to stand up and say no. This is how what the character... This is how J.K. Rawlings wrote the character. And if she says no, and she's had her... She's been had, ruled with an iron fist. She's been, overlooked every single thing on production, through everything. You have to keep the character the same way. And I have a problem with that. I have a problem with the fact that we have to, as Americans, have to edit out something that we shouldn't have to. So... Did one the the question becomes did Warner Brothers do the right thing? Well, that's that's up for debate. I think that if this comes back and they don't make that much money from it, we'll get into the numbers in a little bit. But how is this? Is it going to be? Are they going to regret the decision? I, I I would venture to say they might. You know, so we'll see. I I I just I have a problem with. How, not censorship in general, but when another country says we won't play your film because of this, and even if it is a six second cut, and you take it out for $10 million, not worth it to me. So, but, okay, speaking of uh, this movie, one of the former stars, Johnny Depp, back in the news. The defamation trial begins today between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So this comes from Variety. 
Johnny Depp's lawyers accused his ex-wife Amber Heard of fabricating domestic violence claims against him in order to advance her own career as a defamation trial got underway in Virginia on Tuesday. Depp has sued Heard for $50 million, alleging that she devastating his, devastated his career when she revived her allegations against him in a 2018 op-ed in the Washington Post. Heard's attorneys, meanwhile, argued in their opening statements that her allegations are entirely true and she had a First Amendment right to express her views. Her attorney, Ben Rottenborn, argued that Depp is seeking to ruin Heard's life by pursuing the lawsuit. For years, all Mr. Depp wanted to do was humiliate Amber, to haunt her, to wreck her career, Rottenborn argued, calling Depp, quote, an obsessive, ex-husband hell-bent on revenge. The trial is expected to last six weeks, as 11 jurors will be asked to sort through a mountain of document evidence, conflicting testimony, and to decide who is telling the truth. Depp's attorneys, Bill Chu and Camille Vasquez, noted that the Washington Post piece was published just before the release of Aquaman, in which Heard starred, and helped portray herself as a sympathetic advocate. She presented herself as the face of the Me Too movement, the virtuous representation of innocent women across the country and the world who has truly suffered abuse, Vasquez said. The evidence will show that it was a lie. Heard has accused Depp of numerous instances of assault, including times where she alleged Depp grabbed her by the neck, threw her against the wall, kicked her, choked her, and punched her. Her attorney, Elaine uh, Bentonfault, went through many of the allegations and details in her opening statement, including one occasion where Depp allegedly sexually assaulted her with a liquor bottle. That allegation has not been made public before. In a statement, a Depp spokesperson denied the sexual assault claim. The spokeswoman said it was not part of the original allegations surrounding the couple's divorce in 2016 and only emerged after Depp failed his defamation suit in 2019. This follows a pattern of her elaborate, erroneous claims which have continued to change and evolve over time for the purpose of Hollywood shock value, of which Amber has mastered and used to exploit a serious social movement, the spokesperson said. The trial will go on in painstakingly detail about drug abuse, violence, and trash departments. In his opening statement, Rottenborn said the jurors should try to keep their focus on her op-ed, which did not identify Depp by name. This article is not about Johnny Depp, he argued. The the article is about the social change he is advocating. Rottenborn argued at the time of the publication, Depp's career was in free fall when her career was taking off. The op-ed, he argued, was her attempt to move on from the abusive relationship, relationship. By suing her, Depp is refusing to let her move on. So, this goes on. Um, Herds filed a $100 million counterclaim against Depp. And then, so, let's backtrack a little bit. The 2019 case that was uh, filed, and the ruling by the UK court, one of them, the ruling was in 2020 he had, against the Sun newspaper, and the judge in that case found that Heard's allegations were, quote, substantially true, and that the newspaper did not defame him when it 
described him as, quote, a wife beater. Okay, let's dive into this. There are a lot of things to unpack. Number one, the fact that Johnny Depp was found guilty by the UK courts. Okay, and they he wasn't just found guilty. He was found, it, the case and the allegations were found to be substantially true. That's big. Um, now, because of this, Warner, of course, he was in the last um, Fantastic Beast movie. So, with that being said, that Warner Brothers said, you know what? We have to, we can't deal with this anymore. We have to part ways with them. So, recently, well, not really, I shouldn't say recently, but Warner Brothers did the right thing and said, okay, it's time for you to go. So Johnny Depp and Warner Brothers said, okay, and they parted ways. In comes Mad Mickelson, and we'll see how he does with this this new role as Grindelwald. Now, that's not the only problem we have. Amber Heard is not her angel herself. Even though she, and I'm not, I'm, look, if Johnny Depp is a white beater, he should never work again. It's that simple. I don't know all the evidence. I only know what I've seen. And I've read, but Johnny Depp should never work again if that's the case. I'm I'm not one to take sides here. I think they need to work this out in a court of law and go from there. So, but I will say one thing. This did cost Johnny Depp his career. So, whatever this jury decides, they better, they better be careful. Be careful to the extent of you don't want you don't want to make a mistake here. Um, so I, I think I mean it, this comes down to politics and 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 everything else. I think that at the end of the day, though, and I, I would this is not about money. This is about getting justice for Amber Heard. So, I mean, there were even, you know, I remember hashtags, Justice for Amber. And there were a lot of people wanting her to get pulled from the Snyder Cut. So, when she played Mira as, uh, in the Snyder Cut. So, I don't know, we'll see about this. So, this, uh, this just began. Depp's in big trouble. Um, we'll see what happens. So, but, on that note. We are on to today's subject, and today's topic is, as made mention of, it's about the Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore. This is the third installment into this franchise, and it started all the way back in 2016, where, with uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So, this movie, so uh, let, let me backtrack a little bit. I've seen the first two movies. I sat down and I watched them the other night. I thought they were a lot of fun. I had a good time. I loved all the little animals or the, the, the creatures. And 
I thought that um, Eddie Red Eddie Raymond did a pretty good job as Newt. I, I was I was really happy. He he has that that charming, alluring uh, trait about. He always wants to do the right thing, and yeah. So I I really like the first two movies. I thought Colin Farrell was outstanding in the first movie. Um, so that he was he was a really added bonus. I did thoroughly enjoy how we see Colin Farrell turn into Johnny Depp at the end of the first one. That was in that was awesome. I got to be honest, that was a really a really cool thing to see. You knew he was going to escape. You knew he was going to do his thing. We see Jude Law in the second one as Dumbledore start to be a little more of a main character. Um, and Ezra Miller as Credence. So, and let's not discount something else. Ezra Miller is in deep trouble too. Now, why did Johnny Depp get pulled and not Ezra Miller? I don't know. Ezra Miller is in, you know, is he going to be doing press for this? Probably not. Because he's got to lay low because of the, the charges against him. Anyways, I moving on, I'm actually really interested in seeing this movie. I think it's going to be a fun movie. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan. But... I did like the magic. I did like the the creatures, like I said. I loved Pickett. I think Pickett was the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> so he that was that was neat. Um, we'll see where this goes. We'll see how this all plays out now. As far as the business side of it, and I think this is something that's kind of underrated. So. Let's go all the way back to 2016. Fantastic Beasts, where to find them, grossed $814 million worldwide. And it, it made almost a billion dollars. That's huge. It made 234 of that, so almost 25% it made here in the States. It opened at $74 million, which is big really big and it was on a 180 million dollar budget so it made its money back pretty quickly so you know within two or three weeks it was turning a profit um a couple years later they come out with fantastic beasts the crimes of grindelwald this movie opened well first it made almost 600 55 million dollars worldwide another big success for for warner brothers it opened to 62 million dollars and that made 159 and a half million here in the states so another big big win for warner brothers um and they they bumped the budget up just a little bit and it was a 200 million dollar budget so i'm curious to see so the budget here for this one here is $200 million. And it's already made 57 over overseas. So it's already made a quarter of its money back. With 
it's going to be interesting because you've got Sonic that just made $71 million, the highest opening for a video game movie ever. And by the way, it beat the original Sonic by almost $15 million. So that tells you something. Um, so how much money is it really going to make opening weekend? It, it's going to be interesting because if people are going to go back and see Sonic or those people that haven't seen it are going to go back and see it, how much is, is this really going to make? So with every trilogy, with every franchise, you always have a decrease. So, for example, the first one made $74 million opening weekend. The second one made $62 million opening weekend. If I had to guess right now, with Sonic making as much as it did last weekend, I'm going to say this makes anywhere between 35 to 40 And if that's the case, they're kind of in trouble. Because Sonic's taking away that money. So how how are, how are they going to fare? That's going to be the interesting question. Because is this the kind of movie that's a repeat viewing movie? That's another question. So all those people that went to go see Sonic last weekend, are they going to go back and see Sonic again? Or would they go rather go to see this? I think... If all those people had that much fun going to see Sonic, they'd probably go see it again. I mean, I'm I, I'm always hoping for movies to do well. I, I am. But I'm really kind of weary about this. So, I think this is going to be a fun movie. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm looking forward to seeing Mad Mickelson. Um, he's a fantastic actor. I'm looking forward to see June Law back as Dumbledore. So that's going to be fun. Eddie Raymond as Newt. They've got the whole cast back. You know, Ezra coming back as Credence. How are they going to... It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun movie. I'm really curious to see how everything plays out, though. So if if this makes anywhere between 35 to $40 million, I think Warner Brothers is in trouble for this one. If it makes above 40 they're in good shape. Because they've already made 57 overseas. So it will be interesting to see how everything plays out. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I got to be honest. This isn't my normal cup of tea in, in watching these. I, no, don't get me wrong. I love Harry Potter. I love the whole Harry Potter franchise. But how long ago was that? I mean, they're turning these things out every two and three years. Now, mind you, they've had some problems because they've had some issues with their talent. So this probably could have been out sooner if that hadn't happened. But I think it will be uh, I think it will be fun. So l- let me just say this. I'm going to give you another recommendation that I think it's not on everybody's radar, but definitely worth the, taking the time to watch. And that is... Um, Fruitville Station, Michael B. Jordan, 2017, I believe. I'm sorry, 2013. It's it's a really, really powerful movie 
Uh, Michael B. Jordan gives a great performance in it. It's about uh, the true story of Oscar Grant, a 22-year-old man in the Bay Area who was trying to get his life cleaned up, and he was at the transit uh, station one night, and he got shot by police. It was actually New Year's Eve. They actually used real footage, and this was actually... Ryan Coogler's coming out party. Of course, he went on to go do Black Panther with uh, Michael B. Jordan several years later. But, man, what a ride. It's powerful. It's heartwarming. It's tragic. It's everything you want. It's funny in certain situations. It's everything you want in a great movie. Definitely. And and I can't even believe this is going to be turning... 10 next year go check out Fruitville Station it's it's a good one it really is a good one so on Thursday we are or I'm going to be back we're going to be doing the, uh, the weekly roundup and then in a couple of weeks we're going to be beginning Flashback Friday As I said in the opening, we are going to be doing every single MCU movie, starting with Iron Man. So, I can't, as I said earlier, I cannot emphasize enough. Hit that follow button, because it's going to be fun. We're going to be going through six months of MCU movies, and it's going to lead nearly all the way up until the end of the year. So, and then after that, we're going to do a bunch of other things. So yeah, just just hit the follow button. Hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. Um, just stay tuned. And I will put the Patreon link in the description. Go check it out. If you want, I, I would, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd love for you to, you know get some cool stuff from us and it will definitely help me out okay so until the roundup show i'm david Steele, and you have been listening to real talk